our bodies and minds adapt to what we do most of the time. If you want to change your body and mind, you must change what it is you do most of the time. In part two of this extensive exploration of holistic health excellence, we asked Josh some fundamental but important questions. Cardio versus strength, sleep, exercise, or nutrition, which order? Meat or vegetables or insects, breakfast or fast, cold showers, why? Alcohol, good or bad? Chocolate or chips? Hydrogen peroxide? Ozone? Explain, and we ask Josh his advice for anyone wanting to get started improving their well-being on the simple steps he would recommend. And there's a lot more to enjoy in the second episode with Joshua J. Holland. So you, you talk about changing your body and your mind means changing what you do most of the time. Yeah. So that's obviously part of that assessment that you go through when you do this holistic health check. Or maybe it's not health check, maybe it's a, a broader attitude check. Yeah, I, I call it an assessment. Assessment, right. Okay. The assessment is, it's, it's real time. Like what assessment I put you through today may be a very different outcome than what you go through next week, which means what? I should be doing assessments every time that we see each other. That's kind of what I do. So changing your body and mind is my mantra that I've, I've used for years now. And it's actually on the signature of my, of my emails. And it's something that I, I'm actually smiling when I'm talking about this because I use it as a fallback for almost every situation. And if you really break down the mantra, the way I have it kind of written out is our bodies and minds adapt to what we do most of the time. If you want to change your body and mind, you must change what it is you do most of the time. So the if almost needs to be capitalized because there's some people who are like, yeah, but I don't want to really change my body and mind. So, okay, cool. No problem. If you are happy with how you are living and how you look and how you feel, okay, why are you here? You want to just have some fun and hang out and work out? Let's go. But if you want to change your body and mind, then we have to figure out what is it you're doing most of the time that will allow us to create a variable that we can change. And so that becomes the exercise, so to speak. And I suppose that is dependent on the goal that the each individual states, whether it's looking better in their clothes or it's being able to do a half Ironman or whatever it might be, or just lose weight for a wedding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so they, they go hand in hand because according to those goals and then according to what you're doing most of the time, I need to figure out, okay, how can we find the variable that we can tweak to adapt it to the goal that you really want? So it's quite forensic. Yeah. It's interesting. I've got a friend in the UK that's a lifelong ad guy writer, but he's, the last few years he's been embracing behavioral science mm. and has done, I don't know if you're familiar with BJ Fogg, who's the head of behavioral science at Stanford. And wow. he's written, if you haven't read it, you should check out his Tiny Habits workshop, because what he does is he looks at what are the smallest things you, you need to do to change your habits, to change your lifestyle, yeah. and address goals. I think there'd be a really interesting, you should go and check it out. I can send you a link to it. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Please do. Anyway, slight diversion. I just want to run through some just big questions with you. We've talked about people coming into 432 House and how you would look at them holistically. Sleep diet and exercise what order do you put them in exactly that order right sleep is the priority um normally if i had four i would say i would lump sleep and recovery into the same one category yeah. and then consumption would mm -hmm. be the next one so that's you could call that diet yeah and then it's a better word actually consumption yeah, yeah and, and because i also treat how we consume like our environment, like the uh, pollution in the me air. Media. Yeah, media. Because that affects your sleep. The energy of other people, mm -hmm. all of that, right? And then the third piece, one that you didn't put there that I would include would be movement. Because I don't always consider movement to be exercise, right? Of course, yeah. There's, there's, there's non-exercise movement and then there's exercise movement is kind of what I think. Uh, so sitting at desks, moving around. You got yeah. it. Okay. Maybe we'll tap into some of the specifics around these as we carry on, but let's just run through these big questions. Okay. Cardio or strength training? 
Strength training. Easy. What's most misunderstood between the two? I think the thing that's most misunderstood is that everyone, not everyone, but many, many, many people think that getting your heart rate up constitutes cardio, therefore constitutes weight loss, therefore constitutes good health. False, false, false. Given that maybe some people in listening to the podcast might not have a good sense of the specifics of the benefits of strength, my understanding is that as you increase your strength training, your metabolic rate goes up, which means you burn more body fat, which means also your heart rate goes up as well. If you're certainly doing any sort of form of um, strength training, that is going to push up your your heart rate as well, which will have a cardio benefit. So there is presumably some crossover between the two. That's right. And uh, there's a lot of truth to what you just mentioned. It's, It's the fact that we are able to preserve or even increase slightly increased lean muscle tissue is what increases our basal metabolic rate. So that's the the rate at which we burn while at rest, mm-hmm. right? And then the the cardiovascular component happens whether we're doing movement or not. The fact that our heart rates our our hearts are beating and pumping blood in and out of of the limbs of our bodies and and through the arteries and veins means that we're doing cardio right now. So what people really think that they're trying to do, though, is improve maybe the the stroke volume. And that's how much blood can be pushed in and pull, pulled in and pushed out throughout each heartbeat, mm-hmm. right? And then heart rate variability is the spacing and timing between each heartbeat, which if it's too constant, that means we're in a state of sympathetic nervous system response, which is fight or flight. But if it's erratic, that's actually a good thing. That means we're nice and calm, Uh right? And so you can train yourself to become, even while doing strength training, if you work on your breathing and you work on all these things, you can make your heart rate very low. You know, like I have a resting heart rate in the low 40s. On a broader level, that just says that I'm someone who's in good cardiovascular health, right? Because I have a good, I have a good low resting heart rate. Um, at the same time, like my VO2 max is pretty high because I can pull in a lot of oxygen because my body, because I train with oxygen. I, I actually have an, you know, exercise with oxygen therapy machine. So there's a ways ways you can tweak all this stuff, but. The reason why I say strength over over cardio is because you can get that quote unquote cardiovascular type training while doing strength if you just cut down the the rest in between exercises and you do high intensity intervals. Mm-hmm. So that's a you know hit out of the ballpark for me. This is true for some guys that are particularly runners that I've uh, I've trained with that avoid strength because they think it's going to put on muscle bulk and slow them down. And I've also got a lot of friends that are uh, female friends that avoid. St- strength training because they think it's going to put on muscle bulk, which I think is a big fallacy. Would you like to explode that myth? Okay. For all the runners out there, (laughs) I I, I say this one a lot. So people who know me know exactly what I'm, I'm about to say, but there's an analogy that I use quite frequently. And I want you to all visualize this. We're not talking about just the average runners now. Okay. I want you to think of the, the top 10 world's elite marathon runners. Mo Farah. Yep. One being one of them. Right. Absolutely. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's say the person that's listening right now, you happen to become the coach of those top 10. If you want all of them or any of them to get faster, what do you tell them to do? Well, me knowing a bit about running, I would say you're not going to get them running more miles. You're going to get them doing speed work and you're going to get them lifting weights because you're going to put up their power to weight ratio. There you go. But the key component is you can't tell an elite runner to run faster because Mo Farah is running as fast as he can, Mm. right? So the only way you can even hope to get them faster is to get stronger, Power to weight ratio is very important, but more important than anything is power. You've got to get stronger. So if you don't weight train, in fact, if you put all 10 of those elite athletes or you can go 100 or 1,000 or whatever, and you put them on a strength training program, their body types don't change. Why? Because they're still doing the same thing that they do all the time anyway, which is run, right? So they don't automatically become Usain Bolt. Unless they train like Usain Bolt, who trains for short, shorter distances and trains a lot of power. Mm-hmm. 
There you go. Okay. It's an easy one. Next one. Breakfast or fast? Fast. That's an easy one. Anyone who knows me, fast. All right. So why do you say fast and not breakfast? Great question. When when talking about breakfast, many people understand or have a certain idea of what breakfast is. Mm-hmm. Right? What What is your idea of breakfast? Well, my breakfast has changed over the years. It used to be Rice Krispies, a couple of slices of toast and jam. It moved into having bagels and salmon. It's been cheese. And then it's been, and, and more recently, it's been nothing in the morning except coffee until probably about one o'clock. And then breakfast for me is spinach, eggs, tomatoes, and maybe a bit of bacon. So you just hit the nail on the head. You basically just answered what I was about to explain, which breakfast needs to be understood as what it really is, why it was truly called breakfast, which is breaking fast. Mm -hmm. So anytime you go on a long period of not eating food and then you eat food, that's what breaking your fast is. Not this, oh, breakfast is in the, always in the morning at a certain time having certain foods, right? You go to a place, it says serving breakfast all day. And I kind of laugh to myself because it's like, well, yeah, anytime a person's breaking their fast, it should be all day, of course, right? And then it, it shouldn't constitute what that food is just because you're having it in the morning or just because that's how you grew up eating it. So that's why I chose fasting because break fast is just breaking the fast. So, you know, they kind of go hand in hand for me. Mm-hmm. That's why that one's an interesting all, question. I suppose it's also the amount of time between. I mean, if you eat your I mean, back, well, I know from when I was growing up, my mother um, would never serve food after about six o'clock at night. In Scotland, it's called your tea time. It's not called your dinner. And you get served up your food at that. And then you might get a glass of milk before you go to bed. And then you get your breakfast in the morning. So you're going probably six at night till seven, eight in the morning. So you're probably going 13, 13 14, 14, which is a, probably a decent fasting period. It it's so in a way it doesn't. But then if we look at our current lifestyles, well, I'll often now won't eat until particularly living in New York. You could be out 10 o'clock at night and having a, a, a hearty meal. You don't want to be eating at eight in the morning. Absolutely. But see, this is the thing. When you grow up, when you're a young kid, chances are you have less options. Whatever's on the table is there. Mm-hmm. And you can either eat it or you don't. Absolutely. You know, you may have woken up in the middle of the night to go into, you know, rummage through the fridge or into the cabinets to get food, maybe. Might have found myself with a bit of a sort of a a red backside. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Get get your hands out of there. Right, right. Exactly. Get back to bed. Yeah. So, you know, as a kid, you know, you probably think twice about even doing that. You may not do it as an adult. We're kind of forced to always push the envelope to try to get more, squeeze more minutes out of our day. And so anytime beyond sunset, when the lights go down, anytime that we're sort of forced to stay awake or to stay up and alert and active mentally, Mm -hmm. the more that our bodies required, it requires more food to be able to sustain that. Because let's not get it wrong here. Our brains do burn calories, and every time we're forced to think or to or to use our brains, we are burning calories. So, if you want to operate at a high level, then you probably need to to, to fuel it. So, you know, there's many people who work nine to five. You know, they probably push that to eight. They want to work out afterwards, and they obviously need to fuel themselves after they work out, and then they have to check their emails, and they have to prepare for their big meeting the next day. So they're going, so they're staying up till midnight, and then you know having to wake up in the morning to maybe crank out another workout, right? So they're working up early. So you never really got a chance to fully recover. So the body's always kind of starving for fuel mm-hmm. because you're just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. But if you can. Learn to work smart or work efficiently or work intelligently with your with your actual work, but then also with your lifestyle, then things start to become very clear and very easy. Simple. Not easy. Never easy, but simple. Just a, a question related to that sort of recovery and, and when you eat after exercise. I mean, if you don't eat after exercise, you're going to continue burning calories. But other people say, no, you have to eat right after exercise from get protein in you, 150 milligrams of protein within an hour or half an hour. What, what's, your guidance on, what's your guidance on that? Okay. Um, 
There, there's there's many rules of thumb with that. My sort of recent offering and advice is to understand, again, it goes back to what are your goals, okay? Because if you're trying to just lose as much weight as possible and you don't care if you waste away your muscle, which is not healthy, but if you don't care about that, you just want to hit an, a goal on the scale, then yeah, don't don't eat after you train. But but it will damage your muscle. Potentially. Well, yeah, well, of course, because any kind of exercise is, is muscle damaging. It's the it's the the what we do after exercise, how we recover is what gives us the physiological benefits from exercise. So everyone should understand that like exercise is micro damages to our muscular system. Mm-hmm. Right. The stresses so, you're putting on it. Exactly. Allows you then to recover. Bingo. Yeah. And hormetic stress yeah. and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So um, now. My current advice, though, is if you're doing cardio training, you know, you're not really asking your muscles to deplete the glycogen stores within the muscles. So you're probably fine. You're, you're probably OK to go a little longer and, and, and continue fasting after training, after cardio type mm-hmm. training, quote unquote cardio, like we talked about before. But if you're doing strength training, but if you're doing strength training, I highly suggest taking in some amount of of healthy carbs and healthy protein after a training session, after a weight training session or a strength training session, because you need to be able to fuel the muscle so that they can optimize performance. Because if you're going to ask your, your body to, to continue performing at a high level, whatever that level is for you, but a high level for you, then you need to give it the fuel that it needs. Okay. Didn't ask you, when do you have your breakfast and how many times a day do you eat? So I typically don't eat anything in the morning. And so I'll give you kind of a quick run through of my 24 hour day. So um, usually at night I am well finished and digested all of my dinner by nine o'clock. So that means I'm usually eating dinner around eight, eight fifteen. takes me 20, 30 minutes to eat. 20, 30 minutes to digest. So I kind of start my fasting clock, my fasting window at around nine each night. And I'm asleep by 11. So I'm sleeping for a good seven to eight hours. What I usually do is some light movement in the morning, just kind of shaking like a dog, mm-hmm. you know, getting all the stress out of yeah. the joints, you know, uh, maybe do a quick little 10 pull-ups in the bathroom door or push-ups or something. And then I because I've fasted overnight, I allow that time to be the time when my BDNF, which is brain derived neurotropic factor, that is a chemical that's released that really brings about like focus and creativity. And basically you're smarter at the end of a long fast, mm-hmm. right? Not to say that sleeping overnight is the end of a long fast, but we're creeping up to like a good amount of time fasting, right? Because if I stopped at nine and I go, you know, I wake up and I'm going till, till eight or nine in the morning, that's getting close to a 12 hour fast. That's the time for me to take in a lot of brain intensive work. That's but- why a lot of people find particularly writers are very productive in the morning you got it and that's because it's the end of the fast and that's when the bdnf kicks in so that's when i do my duolingo Mm -hmm. right i'm practicing my spanish that's when i do all my important emails that's when i'm doing all of my plotting things out for the day is in the morning while i'm fasted once i complete all of that then i go and prepare my coffee and i just make simple i mean of course i do drink water and do all these Mm -hmm. things but I will definitely do just black coffee and cinnamon. And then I kind of prepare my bags for the day, go to work. And then I won't eat until, I don't know, until I feel like I need to eat, which might be around two o'clock, three o'clock. And you won't snack on anything in between, like nuts or nope. anything, nothing. You no, nope. completely straight through. No, and it's it's completely straight through. And I and I will say this: I don't think I mentioned this before, but um, there was a while for for years I used to feel that waking up and having a bulletproof coffee, which is you know, yeah, uh, butter and MCT oil and things like that. Uh, I did that for years. And then I toned that back and um, or toned it down. And then I started making some tweaks here and there. And then sometimes I would do just um, just coffee and, and whey protein. Or, and then I went for a while just doing coffee and collagen. And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute. Like, 
what's the point of that? Like, if I feel like I'm craving it, like all of this extra, these extra calories and, and, and extra bits of fat and collagen and protein and things like that in the morning, like what would happen if I didn't go with it? If I, if I just did without it. And that's when I started to see all these crazy benefits. And it's, it's funny because when I hit that like 12, 13, 14 hour mark, it becomes so easy for me to continue going. Mm -hmm. Like yesterday, I, I think I did 18 hours and I only ate because I wanted to have a conversation with one of the guys that works with, uh, works with me at 432 House. And I wanted to just have a sit down dinner with him. So what will you eat if you're going, you're not going to wait all the way through to eight o'clock at night. You'll have something in between. What would you naturally normally have? I would have a salad with protein. Mm. Yeah, super simple. Salad oh, with protein or some sort of like, again, it depends on what day it is for me. Yeah. If I'm going to be strength training, then my window, my fasting window is shortened. Or you can look at it, look at it as my feeding window, like the amount of time that I, that I eat, my feeding window will be extended. So on average, I have a feeding window of about six hours, which means I'm doing approximately on average about an 18 hour fast but on training days or weight training days or strength training days if you want to call it that then I might do a 16 hour fast and have an eight hour feeding window because I know that I need to have a good amount of nutrients before during and after that weight training session because I'm going to go hard you talked about coffee bulletproof the Finnish company Four Sigmatic or another type of coffee? Keon Coffee. Keon Coffee. Not heard yeah. of that. What's that? Um, Keon Coffee is the brand by Ben Greenfield. He's, ah, um, right. Yes. Very, the, very... I've heard him interviewed. Intelligent. Yeah. He's intelligent, talented athlete, and I, I really look up to him. I've never met him, but I've listened to a lot of his podcasts and a, a lot of the research he's done. And um, a lot of what I've discovered has come from him either highlighting it or indirectly through him. Like I may have, you know, seen someone's research because he may, may have mentioned one thing and then I see another. But I was very close to, to saying Four Sigmatic because I do like Four Sigmatic. Yeah. The only thing about Four Sigmatic is that it's an instant coffee and you're not always guaranteed on the quality of an instant coffee. I do like mm -hmm. the the mushroom. The chaga mushroom. Yeah, yeah. like the, the mushroom component, uh -huh. right? Like they have this new one that's a, an a adaptogenic mushroom coffee blend. I always have that on me, you know, especially while I travel. It's nice to have it in one of those little packs mm -hmm. and it's easy to, to travel with. Yeah. The the other, like the Keon coffee is really good. It's probably literally the, the cleanest coffee you can find. Okay. Hands down. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. When I hear the term cold showers, it takes me back to um, when I was at a, a boarding school for uh, some time when I was younger and I was misbehaved. <laughs> People get the wrong impression of me. I wasn't that bad. But it would be a uh, prefect would say, right, get, get your ass out there and run around the fields early in the morning in your kilt and then into the cold showers where they would stand and basically force you into those cold showers. And that was not pleasant in any way. So wow. my memory of cold showers is probably not the experience of cold showers that you have or other people like um, the Wim Dutch Hoff. guy. Wim Hof, yeah. So uh, talk to me about cold showers and their benefits. Yeah, so uh, you know, unlike your traumatic experience with cold showers, but maybe it made me a better runner in the end. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. 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 Um, there's a, there's a lot of benefit to to cold showers, and I, I, you know, the easiest ones for me to explain is um, the recovery, like like muscle recovery or just recovery in general. Many of us know that it's important to put ice on a bruise or sore muscles, you know, get a massage and things like that. But for me personally, when I'm really sore, like maybe after doing an EMS session or playing two hours of basketball, like I really crave getting into a cold shower. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have to, to give a slight caveat here because anytime I talk about cold showers, I always, ha I always, 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 always have people ask me, yeah, but man, like I, I, sometimes I just like to have like a nice warm shower. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Like yeah, I, I do as finish, well. Finish with the cold I just shower. finish with yeah. the cold shower, you know, or you give yourself kind of the mixture, like that variety, almost like the, the hot bath mm -hmm. component where you get into a hot bath and then a cold bath and a hot bath. So you can create that, but there's so many benefits from 
recovery to to fat loss to improved hormone secretion yeah. i mean all so many things that you can you can get out of it okay and and it's also a really good way to just see how tough you are <laughs> that's true you just laid down the challenge to me there josh i'm gonna be no the, the interesting thing is i've um i've got a friend that uh, does cold showers and she said that the technique is to take the shower if you've got a shower that you can remove from the the wall is start with your ankles and work your way up rather than getting the shock treatment of your shoulders if you're if you're not as tough as josh oh um, i i go full blast i go, go straight in there first of all mine doesn't come off so because <laughs> if you know me you know i don't have just a normal shower head so i i've installed an ozone generated shower head <laughs> great <So laughs> okay. i i literally went to the hardware store uh, bought an ozone machine from from this company. I forget the name of the company. And uh, put the tubes together, connected it to the hose. And so I have ozone filtrating through my, my water. So I have ozone water coming out of my shower head. But when I turn it cold, it's just pointing right at my face. And it's just, I want that right on my face. I can't remember who I heard say this. <laughs> the, um, it was a Navy SEAL or someone just saying that the, it's all, a lot to do with your attitude as well. You go bring it on. Yeah, it's preparing you for that battle moment of going. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, have you have you ever sat at the edge of a pool or you know body of water and and to kind of dip your toe in? Yeah, it's and, it's agonizing when you do it that way. Yeah, and no, you, you see, just got to dive straight. Just in. No, jump you, you in do. there. No, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> uh, okay, cold showers. Here we come. <laughs> um, morning regime: hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. I have it in my bag talk right to, here. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> I used to use hydrogen peroxide when I was a young boy. It was, yeah, it was only 1%. It's the kind that you put on the scrapes and cuts and things like that. Yeah. And I used to be fascinated when I would see it bubble up, right? So like I would I would put it on everything. And um, it also has this weird smell to it, you know? And then throughout my research on molecular hydrogen, water, and ozone water and things like that, I started to discover the benefits of hydrogen peroxide. And it essentially has the same sort of chemical action as ozone and as molecular hydrogen in the body. So it, essentially it's creating oxygen. So what I do is I get a 35%, which is very, very potent, okay? 35% food grade hydrogen peroxide. If I was to bring that in here right now and drop it on you, it'd burn your skin. Okay, it would make it go white and it would hurt. I'm not drinking that, obviously. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I don't know what I would be doing if I was drinking that. I probably wouldn't be here. But I dilute a few drops into water and then I drink that. And it's basically an, the ultimate cleanser, you know. Now, I definitely will state this. Don't just go out there and, and try this, guys, because I've done a lot of research on doing it. I've worked with clients to on doing this. It is helpful. It can be helpful, but you want to make sure you ease yourself into it and just read upon it. Like in this day and age, we have so many resources out there to just go and dive into the research. So do it. Go. Don't just trust some guys talking on a podcast about hydrogen peroxide, but there are loads of benefits, loads of benefits. Okay. A lot of what we're talking about takes time, uh, money, resources, and uh, dedication. What would you advise people who are just maybe starting out and want to dip their toe in and, <laughs> and start? Or even, yeah, let's just say, where would you advise people to start if they haven't had a coach, if they're thinking about looking at a much more holistic holistic benefits to their health and lifestyle. Yeah, that's a, that's a very I know it's question. tricky because everyone's different and I know you have to look at people on an individual basis. But of the things that people could do to get started, what would you recommend? I think the easiest way for me to answer that question is to go back to my mantra. Our bodies and minds adapt to what we do most of the time. If you want to change your body and mind, you must change what it is you do most of the time. So when you use that as sort of a basis... And then you understand what it is you're looking for, then using that mantra can kind of help you to find ways to, f to figure out what it is that you, that you want to do. Going and getting a coach may not even be part of what you need to change because maybe you already do have a coach and maybe that is the one thing you do need to change because you have a coach five days a week or you work out 
you know, seven days a week. Well, there's there's the variable we need to find and take away or change without having to spend any extra money on anything. I think many of us need to get outside more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so th- that's one of the first things I would suggest is just to get outside more and with that, get outside more barefoot. Okay. We need to connect and reconnect ourselves to the earth. We are more disconnected from the earth's energy. And this is going to sound very esoteric and very woo, but we have been more disconnected from the earth than ever. So if you think about that, there's a lot of correlations, right? Not saying that that is the cause, but that has to be a factor. Mm-hmm. You know, from the moment that we can walk, we've got rubber on our souls. So we we ha- we're insulated from the Earth's electromagnetic field. No, I, th- I think it's also even if you go for I mean, I feel different when I run in Central Park. If I run or High Park in London or Hampstead Heath or the Meadows in Edinburgh from just running around the streets on concrete. Yeah. Regardless of whether I got rubber under my feet or not, it's just being closer to that nature. You got sense. it. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Meat or vegetables? <laughs> That's Maybe. a tough one. Uh, I'd, I'd, if I had to choose, I would say vegetables. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, what's your view on uh, insects, uh, uh, eating crickets and things like that? Because a lot of people in the world do eat and survive oh, on I've, insects. Protein. I've eaten many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had a plethora of insects, yeah. Uh, in fact, when I was in Helsinki, I remember... On tour, there was a health food store that had a, a variety of crickets, and I bought a bunch. And I remember posting it on my Instagram. I was going to, um, I was going to trick the restaurant because I was at this restaurant, this like Italian restaurant, and I was going to like play a trick on them, you know, and like put a cricket on mm-hmm. like on the pizza <laughs> that I ordered or whatever. And I decided not to in the end because I didn't want to freak them out. But but yeah, yeah, I've definitely had crickets, and I know they have cricket protein bars and a lot of yeah, cricket I stuff like now. those pr- cricket protein bars. They're yeah, great, good. But the meat, obviously, there are environmental considerations as well that we have to think about in terms of meat consumption with meat consumption and with vegetable consumption Mm -hmm. and and this is the reason why i hesitated on answering it because people will easily say oh i'll just i'll be a vegetarian i'll eat vegetables and think that they're they've made the healthiest choice they could ever make but i mean let's not get it let's not forget that there's glyphosate sprayed on all of this stuff what's glyphosate glyphosate is like roundup right like a weed killer even organic oh yeah if you've got a a a lot that's being sprayed with weed killer to the west and you've got an organic farm to the east and the wind blows what do you think happens with the weed killer yeah it gets everywhere Mm -hmm. in fact you can test the water you can test all of our urine we all have it in our systems I don't care how clean you are. Okay. And what about, I heard you mention another podcast interview about some form of sludge. Oh, yeah. Oh, and What's that? Yeah, like, I don't want to horrify listeners and if, I'm freaking out myself about this, <laughs> this right. sludge and organic food. I mean, look, I don't want to scare anyone and go into fear mongering, but I, I only want to make people aware that just because you're eating vegetables only does not make you automatically a healthy person. You still have to take precautions even with your vegetables just like you have to take precautions in eating meat i eat meat but i only eat meat when i can get real good quality meat so if i don't get good quality meat hello i've become a vegetarian i was vegetarian for three years that was probably one of the worst times of my life in terms of health that's what got me to where i am today because i discovered that i had a gluten allergy i discovered i had all these gut issues because i changed something in my in my diet which i took out meat but i started consuming more gluten i started you know consuming all these things i wasn't uh cooking my green leafy vegetables i was eating them raw and so, you know, I was exposed to all these other like defense mechanisms that the, the, the vegetables put out as well. Yeah. People forget that. Yeah. I mean, raw, don't know if it's not spinach, but a certain green. Yeah. Spinach, yeah, spinach kale, charred. Yeah. Better cooked than, than uncooked. Yeah. Just at this point, because you mentioned the gut, obviously we know about the, the, the brain blood barrier, but there's also the gut 
brain barrier. Yeah. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So the gut is known as the second brain for a reason, right? And so there are certain things that can bypass the gut barrier. And so there are certain things that you want to bypass the gut barrier, like certain things like vitamins and nutrients and, and certain that you want them to bypass the gut barrier so that they can get to their destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there are certain foreign uh, substances that you don't want, right? Certain things that are problematic and uh, you don't want those to go beyond the gut barrier. But if you have a leaky gut, or what's also known as gut permeability, then some of these foreign substances or uh, problematic substances will get beyond the gut-brain barrier into the immune system and wreak havoc. And this is when inflammation starts to occur. This is when the body starts to fight against itself because we call it autoimmune disease, right? So your body's fighting against itself because it doesn't know what's going on. Why are these things getting through? It's because there's a gut permeability or a leaky gut. So what can can people do about that? So one of the best ways is to is to figure out what's going on with your gut, right? Mm -hmm. To figure out like what foods are problematic, what things are causing you sensitivities. If you have, are you always bloated after you eat a certain thing? Do you always need to belch or have gas when you eat certain things? Um, You know, are your, your, when you go to the toilet, are your stools uh, irregular and runny? Um, are, Are you constipated? Like there's a lot of things that you can figure out because, the gut is kind of the center of our health. So one of the other strategies is to go on a, an elimination diet, you know, kind of just take out everything or fasting. Well, first of all, fasting is one of the best ways to help heal the gut for one, because with fasting, you're allowing your body to not have to deal with digest digestion and it can deal with all the other important things that it needs to do. This is why fasting is good for us. And people will always say, yeah, but I thought we were supposed to have like, you know, small meals throughout the day. Well, if you want to tax your your system, sure, do it. And that assumes that you have the luxury to be able to do so. How about telling some kid in Africa, hey, you're supposed to eat like, you know, 10 small meals a day, little guy. (laughs) He's going to look at you and like, yeah, right. So fix your gut. Fasting helps. Uh, An elimination diet helps. An elimination diet is not as scary as it sounds, but it's just kind of getting rid of all the potentially known problematic foods, stripping it down to just vegetables, and then adding things back in slowly but surely to see how they affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is to go and get a product like Viome with a V, V-I-O-M, Viome as in Victor. Viome does a poop sample or a gut sample. Uh, so they send you this kit, you take a poop sample, you send it in, and they send you back all of this information about like what foods are affecting your system. It's not for life, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like here's one time and this is what you should not have for the rest of your life, but this is this period of time. Moment in time, yeah. And usually our guts change within the season, okay? So this is why eating seasonally is also very important. So, uh, you know, it, our, our gut microbiome is going to change two or three times throughout the year. That means we should probably be testing our gut sample two or three times a year. Now, yes, that can get expensive, but if you're someone like me, it's very important. Also, if you're only having one or two meals a day, it's a lot easier to figure out where to make the tweaks mm-hmm. rather than having six meals a day and like, well, yeah, but yesterday I had <laughs> X, Y, and Z. I don't know what caused this issue. But that must be tough for you when you're on tour. Not at all. No? No? Not at all. You're- I mean, to be fair, I did not do this stringent of a fasting protocol because remember I thought I was fasting but I was doing the like coffee with uh, collagen and protein and things like that but yeah I, I traveled with all that stuff you know I, I always travel with my coffee grinder and my whole coffee beans and I grind my own coffee in the morning and it becomes part of my routine I mean I was only having to choose one meal a day to go out and eat mm-hmm. that's it because I would have my coffee in the morning I'd have snacks throughout the day, like, you know, like after my period of fasting or whatever, quote unquote fasting. And then I would have to just, what am I having for dinner? I just had to choose what I was having for dinner. And that was it. It's super easy. The question of alcohol. (laughs) Don't tell me none, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> or red wine, come on, a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear so many conflicting views on alcohol. I mean, all these film movies you can watch out there about it as well. What's your view? Okay, alcohol is a poison. It's, it's simply that. Now, am I here on this podcast to say don't drink alcohol? Never. <laughs> I would never say to anyone, don't do anything. But where are you on your spectrum of wanting to get in, in health and good health or but good if I was going on a if I was going on a tour of the world mm-hmm. and I said hey Josh come along with me you'd be saying Mark listen to me no no red wine at night I, I, I know the facts about it affecting your ability to go into that REM sleep or the, to this, the two types of sleep you go into and I think several have, types yeah, yeah when you have alcohol at night you never go into that deep Restorative, yeah. Restorative sleep. Okay, I I don't want to be too general here, but I will be general. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a toxin, period. So alcohol is a toxin. If that's true, which it is, then how fast or at what point does your body start to decide to deal with the toxin that's coming in or everything else? And so we, we call it, first to burn. There's a process called first to burn. Mm -hmm. And alcohol is going to be the first to burn. So in a triage situation, the body is going to deal with the most detrimental to your health or detrimental to the organism, you you know, the host that is, it's going to deal with the most detrimental thing first. That's why it's probably going to disrupt your sleep because your body's not trying to help you go into sleep and repair all these other things when you have alcohol to deal with. Your body is trying to deal with that 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 toxic substance that keeps coming into itself all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so here's the other part about that. So not only does it potentially disrupt your sleep, but anything you consume in conjunction with alcohol gets stored until the alcohol is dealt with. Ah. And how long do you think that takes? Well, probably a good few hours you're going to tell me. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, let's say six hours plus. It's going to take some time to get rid of because obviously it depends on how much you have, right? But we're not talking minutes here. We're so, talking. So the, the the simple answer is: if you want a glass of red wine, don't have it with a nice big juicy burger at the same time at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> like it. dead serious. Like it's yeah. it because it, the body cannot deal with trying to protect you. And filter out all this toxic substance of alcohol. Mm-hmm. It can't deal with that and digest your food and send it into the right places it needs to go at the same time. Is that and why you hear you a lot of people say that you shouldn't be drinking, even drinking water when you're eating? You should either drink well before or well after. That's what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's like, of course, there's going to be situations where people are going to say, yeah, but research says this. And okay, sure. But this is what I've. I've experienced, and this is what I've found. And I personally do not drink alcohol. Um, have I drank alcohol? Of course. You know, I've drank alcohol before, and there may be times that I might be tempted, but I sure as hell won't do it near sleep. Mm-hmm. And I definitely won't be eating anything that's going to compromise the digestion at that point in time. So if I'm going to have alcohol, I need to say to myself, well, why am I having it? Mm-hmm. Because I am a happy-go-lucky all the time person anyway, right? I know how to make myself happy all the time. I would prefer to have CBD or something like that as opposed to we're gonna, alcohol. We're going to come on to talk about that. Perfect. Moisturizer. What you put on your skin and what you put in your hair. How important? Mm. Okay. This is a good question. I'm glad you brought this up because not a lot of people ask this, at least in the media. <laughs> people ask me all the time in person, but I'm someone who prides myself in having good skin and good mm-hmm. hair and things like that. But honestly, I don't put anything on my face. Nothing. Or um, I guess on my skin either. And that's also the reason why I've it's gone probably to- probably a lot to be your diet as well. Definitely has a lot to do with the diet. Consum- that's that's for sure. I don't- We should use the word consumption. Right. Yeah. I don't want people to think that, you know, I can just eat whatever and then have clear skin. Uh-huh. So, yes, you're right. They, they go hand in hand. But I noticed that any time I put something on my face, because the face is like the easiest to see. Right. But in, on my face or on my skin, I noticed that the body was having a hard time dealing with it. So my face and my skin is very sensitive to, to chemicals and even to like 
like perfumes and, and things like that. Like when I'm in the airport, if I smell like, you know, you walk through duty free mm-hmm. area and you smell that perfume, like I, I almost get a headache. Um, essential oils I'm fine with, you know, like diluted essential oils. Uh, so that's what I typically put on. Um, I put on essential oils as far as like smells go or for certain ailments. But the thing that I put on my skin the most would be either coconut oil, moringa oil, or ozonated oils. So any kind of ozone-infused oils, I'm good with. Uh, clearly, I'm a fan of ozone. So, you know, there, there's a company called Puro3, spelled P-U-R-O-3. I love their company because they have a lot of, of great products. I even have one of, um, well, yeah, a couple of their ozone generating devices and things like that but they make like uh, ozonated hemp oil they make sunflower seed oil avocado oil all kinds of stuff so i don't mind putting their products on my skin mm-hmm. because it's ozonated and um and what, it's what it's about good mother quality. dart have you heard of that Brian? i have yeah, yeah i used to use it yeah, yeah. i used to use experimenting it. with that <clears throat> what kept me what turned me off was having to keep it refrigerated yeah it's you forget about it if it's yeah. not in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. <laughs> Serious question: Sugar, chips, crisps—things are just snacking, you know, that people love to have, and hard not to have when you're feeling a wee bit under pressure or the deadline at work or a paper to submit or a podcast to prepare for. Yeah. Just grab that Snickers or. Uh, like a crinkle cut um, organic chips, you know. Mm-hmm. What's your view? Do away with all of it. All of it. Done. Yeah, yeah. Gone. It, I mean, it, it what goes- about what about sort of um, organic uh, raw cacao, uh, or at least eighty percent dark chocolate? Again, it goes back to what are you really trying to do? Like, well, mm. you know, what is your goal in that certain situation, and then. Remember, if you really do want to perform cognitively at your highest, you should probably just fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or have I, nuts. Yeah, but but anything that comes in that gets introduced to the body during a a, a time of fasting or a time you're breaking your fast, the body it becomes a distraction so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's feeding into the ego, and the ego is what wants the food. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's 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 really plain and simple. Um, So if you don't feed it now, the true you gets a chance to focus and not worry about, hey, man, hey, feed me like there's a there's a store across the street and it's, you know, five o'clock and you always eat at five o'clock. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. But if you tell it to shut up, you don't feed it, then you're not feeding your ego. And that's deep because you don't truly need it. The body can go weeks without food. Well, we know that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, getting towards the end here. Uh, We've covered meat, sugar, alcohol, ozone. You talk a lot about ozone. Can you just explain it briefly and the benefits of it? Yeah. I mean, ozone, I guess the easiest way to explain it is, is what we get, as in the planet gets when there's lightning and thunderstorms. It's kind of uh, the way that our planet is cleansed. And so I think without lightning and without ozone, first of all, the ozone layer protects us from being just burned to death. Right. But then also every time that there's a thunderstorm, that's what's cleansing the earth, so to speak. Right. So to be able to harness or to make ozone, it's it's another oxygen atom that is so it's just oh it's o3 right that's why that company's called pure o3 mm. so that third oxygen molecule makes it sort of radical in a way it's just kind of that third molecule is kind of bouncing around trying to attach to other molecules that need the that third molecule or uh-huh. that that needs another molecule right it needs an, an attachment site and so what that does is, is it basically gets rid of ozone, gets rid of any sort of bad cells or bad bacteria because it's it's so volatile because it's they call it radical. So it's a radical molecule that's just kind of not free radical. Yeah. Yeah. That's going that's all over the place. Um, and it's sort of 
consuming or eating up or or getting rid of any sort of bad cells, bad bacteria. So that in a nutshell, that's kind of the, I think the easiest way for me to explain what ozone is. And then how you harness that and how you utilize that can be, uh, can determine if that's beneficial for you or not. Okay. And you, you, you put it in your water, in your shower? and Yeah. So I infuse it in my water, uh, infuse it in my shower. I also, like, let's say I have mold. Maybe, like, let's say if there's mold in my apartment or or in an area that I'm in, I will blast it with ozone for an hour or so while I'm not in the room. Because you don't want to breathe it in directly because it can be harmful to the lungs. It just, it won't feel good. But I've done, as I've gone as far as, as having ozone injection, like the gas of ozone injected into my veins. I've, mm-hmm. I've done that several times to where now it's less invasive just for me to do uh, what's called an ear insufflation. I've done rectal insufflation. I've done, um, I just recently posted on my Instagram stories, I did a ozone body bag. Oh, I thought I you were going to say your rectal one was put on Instagram nah, stories. No, nah, <laughs> I, I keep my rectum off I of the I don't be sharing internet. that one, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> definitely keep it away from the yeah. internet. But um, I do these things because I, I like to try to push the needle mm-hmm. in one way or the other if, if it can help me and if it can help others. And because we have social media today, I think it's a good outlet to motivate others and encourage others. But I think we need to be wise in how we use it. And where, just a, as a matter of interest, if someone wanted to experiment, where would they read about it and where would they buy it? Um, I would definitely suggest uh, puro3.com. And uh, there's a lot of resources there, lots and lots of information. And I've listened to documentaries, uh, podcasts. I've read several books on ozone. So if you go down the rabbit hole after looking up puro3.com, then you'll find it. Yeah, you'll find it. A couple of final things. Microdosing? Yeah, I'm with it. You're with it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The only thing I ever... I've microdosed with, um, or dosed with, if you will, is, uh, cannabis and CBD. And I've researched like endless amounts of research about cannabis and cannabidiol, which is CBD mm-hmm. and, you know, all the many different effects that you can use for pain and sleep and for mood enhancement, all sorts of stuff when it comes to CBD. So I'm a huge fan. And anybody who, knows me, truly knows me, knows that I'm not one to just do it just to be high. I'm doing it to enhance and no, optimize it's per- it's my performance. Yeah. Everything you do. Yeah. Just a question. That ri- Is that an aura ring you've got? It is on- an aura ring. Yes. I was thinking about getting one. Because one of the other questions I skipped actually was about affordable health tech, things people could start with that would improve their quantified self and their ability to track their either their sleep, improve their environment. There's obviously a stack of tech out there. Not everyone's got the budget to go and buy it. What would you start with? Okay, great question. I'm a huge fan of Aura, spelled O-U-R-A, AuraRing.com. But to be quite honest with you, the fail-proof, super consistent, most beneficial tracking tool for me so far has been the Garmin Phoenix, the watch that I have. Oh, So the Garmin Phoenix 5, the, the, the Garmin Phoenix 5X. And the reason is, is because I've been in cahoots, if you will, or been a fan of Aura for for couple years now but i've had to get it replaced a couple times already mm. and is that the latest one the three or whatever y- it is? yeah this is yeah. their 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 latest one but i was in germany just a few weeks ago and it just went on the fritz mm-hmm. well it's not like i can just get an aura ring sent to me in germany because they have to go to your account they have to like do troubleshooting make sure that it is faulty and then they'll send me a ring but I was in Germany. The ring got sent to my home in New York here. And then I had to wait till I got back. So I missed two weeks of pure data. data yeah. and, and it's important the, for me. The thing, what aspect of it do you like the most? The fact that it's very unassuming and, you know, it's I can do pretty much anything. That's the only downside to the Garmin Phoenix is the one thing that I love to do is play basketball. And I, it's advised not to play basketball with this on because... Other people don't want to get scratched when I'm when I'm wearing it. People are like, Josh, bro, you got to take your watch off. But with the aura ring, I play with it on. But everything else, you know, it's like I told you, I may have told you I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book. So all this data for me is very important. You know, with my Garmin Phoenix, I can swim in the open ocean 
and leave it on. I can surf and track it. I can, you know, st- stand up paddle. I can surf. I could do all these things and track it with the Garmin Phoenix. But that doesn't do sleep. It does. Oh, it does. Okay. Oh, it does it all. Right. It we're gonna, it all. I'm going to be getting one of those. Final couple of questions. This may be slightly tangential to you, but a lot of people believe in minimalism. You're a minimalist? Parts of my life, I'm a minimalist for sure. And other parts, no. I I, I watched the pod, or not the podcast, but the, the documentary the movie, yeah. or the movie, Minimalism, and I thought that was very cool and intriguing. And, and it, it did prompt my roommate and I to go out and just kind of get rid of a lot of stuff. Or I should say it prompted me, and then my roommate then was like, okay, yeah, I guess we're getting rid of stuff, right? So we're getting Madonna t-shirts. Uh, I think I kept those. (laughs) No, but like, you know, there's like a lot of shoes and both my roommate and I have been on several tours throughout our lives. So you accumulate things when you go around the world. And I just kind of was like, man, I need to get rid of some stuff. So I gave a lot of things away and, uh, you know, I would give it to people. And then I went to charity, gave it away. I never just threw anything away. Right. So I wanted to recycle it. But then I went on another tour. (laughs) Right. And then the part of me that's not minimal is the gadget side of me, right? Where I'm going to have like every tool, gadget, and an interesting thing that I can test and try. But in the other side of me, right? So like the fact that I, I don't have all these fancy suits and fancy shoes and fancy clothes to go out and party and go all to these fancy dinners and things like that because I don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not me. So I'm minimal in that aspect, but I do accumulate a lot of toys, that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mindfulness. Do you meditate? I do. You do? Yeah. How many times a day? So I never count and I never force myself. I just let it happen. And I like to ki- kind of consider it flow, flow uh, state. Yeah. And because meditation is kind of like that whole breakfast idea we were talking about earlier. A lot of people have a certain idea of what breakfast is. And a lot of people have a certain idea of what they think meditation is or has to be. I think if you get to a point doing anything throughout your day that causes you or allows you to fully hone in and focus and be present in what you're doing, I consider that meditation. All right. Final uh, point to wrap up, Josh. Hmm. You said you're writing a book. You've got your own podcast and you've got a ton of social media. So just uh, quickly talk us through there if people want to follow you, read more about your thoughts. Yeah. What's happening? Thank you for that. It's a great opportunity to plug here. So thank you. Um, I think the the easiest way to follow me and track what I'm doing is through my Instagram. My username there is at Joshua J. Holland. And J is my middle name. J-A-Y is my middle name, but the the handle is just the letter J. Yeah, so Joshua J. Holland. And that, luckily and fortunately for me, is the same across all of my social media platforms and my website and anything else you need to find me at. Just search Joshua J. Holland. As far as the book goes, um, there's a lot of things that I'm working on as far as like the title and things like that. And I'm at the very early stages of it. And uh, I'm working with a a ghostwriter because I want to sort of delegate that process of making it sound great and and making. You say what it's about. Well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a memoir. It's a it's kind of like it's going to talk about my experience and how my experiential data, so to speak, working with with a multitude of types of clients is what's going to dictate the advice that I'm going to be giving throughout the book. So it's going to be like part memoir, part here's a way to kind of figure out your own health and wellness and fitness and lifestyle. So, but there's going to be there's there's going to be a lot that I can do with that and I really truly want it to be something that I want it to be a resource tool for my clients, my friends, my family, and anyone that is just kind of lost in this in this world of, of craziness when it comes to misinformation. And if they want to listen to your podcast? Yeah, and my podcast is at Simply Walk the Talk. And you can find that on iTunes or Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, yeah just search Simply Walk the Talk. Um, or go to simplywalkthetalk.com because I think we also use, um, no, what's the what's the other one? Uh, SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud. we uh, yeah, use it on that. SoundCloud as well. Yeah. 
That's great. I listened to an episode um, recently that I really enjoyed with William Pullen. Pullen, yeah. Uh, Mr. Pullen, yeah. He's brilliant. The running one, which was great. Yeah, great guy. Thank you, Josh. I know there will be other questions and maybe uh, some months down the line we'll have to do a follow-up. But I really appreciate your time. I think over the two episodes you have been generous with your time and inspiring with your answers, with your knowledge, uh, your incredible curiosity that drives your intellect and awareness and appreciation of all the things that most people don't have time to (laughs) stay up to date with. So I really thank you for sharing all that with us. Thank you for having me, and and thank you to all the listeners who made it this far. Like, I know these wow. are long. Getting through part one and part two, good one. Yeah, thank but you're you. better off for it. And uh, don't crack open that bottle of wine. <laughs> all right, thanks. thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Right. Yeah. Okay, folks, that's it for this week. If you like the show, please subscribe, and ideally give us a five star rating. Just go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast player you listen. And remember. Stay curious, be creative, and be open to serendipity. See you next time.